Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. For a second, I thought you were going to miss it. <laughs> no, I, that was only last week. In <laughs> uh, today's a joint episode, it's going to be a serious one. Um, we've had too many goofy ones recently, so i to pull it back in. Uh, today, we're going to each be telling you about a missing persons case. From our respective area but as you know the drill we're not going to do the whole thing uh it's a pick your poison um mm-hmm. and my poison is a truly so cheers mine is white wine so cheers and i do have a straw because that makes a lot of noise so it can stay on my desk and i can take uh sips discriminately or whatever whatever you can't hear it all right so well, uh montana i believe you're first I am first, Um, and today I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Sarah Nicole Graham. I have too many resources to get into. (laughs) No, it's going to be a lot when you look up at your notes and you're like, wow, that's a lot of resources. (laughs) Because for you. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, whatever. Um. So I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Sarah Nicole Graham. Sarah, at the time of her disappearance, was 18 years old. She was also a member of the Lumbee tribe, a Native American. With that said, I think it's important we talk a bit about missing and murdered indigenous women, which is something we have not touched on yet in this podcast. I'm not going to cover all the statistics, But if you go to uh, the nativewomenswilderness.org website on the MMIW page, it'll give you a full rundown of, like, the rates of violence and things like that against um, indigenous women. Um, It's much like the trans community. The rates for murder and kidnapping and domestic violence are, like, just – it's – striking in that community um the major ones that i did want to point out were um indigenous women and girls are murdered at a rate 10 times higher than any other ethnicity murder is the third leading cause of death for indigenous women this statistic is coming from the center for disease control More than four out of five indigenous women have experienced violence. That's 84.3% of indigenous women. These rates are extremely high and terrifying alone, but that isn't the only issue here. As of 2016, the National Crime Information Center has reported 5,712 cases of missing American Indian and Alaska Native women and girls. Strikingly, the U.S. Department of Justice Missing Persons Database has only reported 116 of these cases. Slight discrepancy. The majority of these murders are committed by non-Native people on uh, Native-owned land. 
The lack of communication combined with jurisdictional issues between state, local, federal, and tribal law enforcement make it nearly impossible to begin the investigative process. And there's a lot to talk around that topic. We're obviously like not the best people to talk about it because we're not a part of that community. But a lot of it from what I've learned from like the people I follow on like TikTok who are native women and things like that is that the federal government doesn't give these tribes the jurisdiction to make their own laws. Like they can make their own laws, but they can't enforce it. They can't, you know, put anybody on trial, anything like that. And if you have you know, a reservation where there is a community, they have their own laws and things like that, but you can't prosecute anybody in there, nobody's going to get prosecuted. And then if you make a law, if you make it like that, the law enforcement outside of that community is not going to make it a priority to find these women. So there's going to be some links in the resources. I implore you, please go look at it. There is a big movement right now on finding missing and murdered indigenous women because uh, they have just been overlooked so much. So with that said, well, they've, there I were do, also indigenous women were are frequently, frequently in history have been targets for serial killers. That's a well-known yes. thing. So, I mean, it's not unknown that, they don't get the support that they need from the people that are in power and make decisions. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, but I'm glad that we're now getting to a point where we're actually talking about it and that's how you make change is to talk about it and acknowledge that it's a problem. That's, that's where you start. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's not like you can just like move into somebody's house, make your own law and then, you know, not enforce it for the people that you're taking over their house. But that's just me. My fault. Anyway, now on, she's that's she another story for a different time in the room. <laughs> uh, I think you might you might actually be wider than me for the first time ever. I know. I haven't seen the sun in like a year. Uh, skin cancer. It'll get you people. Um, now on to Sarah. Sarah was born April 1st, 1996. Um, a little bit younger than us. Just a smidge. She was raised by her mother in Texas and was described as, quote, shy until you got to know her and the kindest, sweetest person. Well, that's me. JK. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Once Sarah graduated from high school, she made the decision to move to North Carolina to live with her father, Hubert, and stepmother, Connie. There's not like... Hubert? There's no... That's a name. Hubert, yeah. Uh, there's no information on like what her relationship with her family was like. Um, not with her mom, not with her dad, or like her decision to move to North Carolina. There's nothing on that. So, I don't know why she made that decision she could have just wanted to move to north carolina who knows i mean from texas, texas north i carolina. can kind of see that <laughs> yeah 
Uh, yeah, I, I can same. see that. Mm. Anyway. Sarah got a job as a cashier and a greeter at Walmart after moving um, to North Carolina. And the day she disappeared, she was scheduled to work at 7 a.m. It was February 4th of 2015. Sarah woke up as usual and started getting ready for work. Around 6.30 a.m., she left home to head to the Pembroke Walmart. It typically took her about 20 minutes to get from her home to her job. However, she didn't make it. This was what year? 2015. So she's what, like 19, 20? Uh, There, she's 18. Okay. Yeah. Um, However, she didn't make it to work. Within 15 minutes of her leaving her home, her white Chevy Astro van was spotted in a wheat field just a few minutes from her house off of East McDonald Road. It was parked and locked, and Sarah wasn't anywhere near it. According to an article I found on the Criminal Journal, it said that they found the abandoned van later that afternoon, but that people had been calling in about the van since 645. So it wasn't like she like went missing within that 15-minute window between her home and work, and the police showed up shortly after, which is what I originally thought. Um, no, they let it sit and simmer for a while. Yeah. And it, it, it definitely, like, I had, I had, like, written a lot of my notes until I found that one specific, like, detail. And it changed my entire, like, perspective on this. Like, truly. Because it's one thing if you show up, like, an hour after something like that. And there's no evidence of anything. But if you show up at the end of the day after it's been there for hours on end and nothing's there, that's a different story. It's a completely different story. Not that I I don't know if it plays into it at all. It's just like, that's my perspective. It changed. That's fair. When the van was discovered, the Fairmont Police Department immediately began a search for Sarah that included 140 local volunteers, a canine unit, and dozens of um, police officials. When they inspected the van and the area around the van, they found nothing. There was no sign of a struggle, no tracks or damage to the van. In an article from Women Advance NC, they point out that it was odd to find a van locked like that van locked like it was. On that older model of vehicle, you couldn't lock it on its own. You needed a key to manually lock the door. Like, you couldn't just, like, lock it and shut the door. Paul would probably know something about this. Probably. Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) I was trying to think, like, how would that work? But, uh, yeah, I, I can ask my husband. After almost two months went by without any sign or evidence of what happened to Sarah, the Charlotte Division of the FBI joined the Robinson County Sheriff's Office in the investigation. This was March 2015. And speaking of the Robeson, I think it's Robeson, yeah, Robeson County Sheriff's Office and the FBI coming in, um, 
You might want to know that not only Sarah's father, but also her stepmother were deputies there at the time. And it still took them that long? And on March 18th, Connie Graham, her stepmother, was fired from the Robinson County Sheriff's Department. Two months after her stepdaughter went missing. Hmm. Now, I'm not going to speculate on anything. So, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to quote directly from this WRAL article because I don't want to be sued. Um, Sheriff Ken Seeley declined to elaborate, calling it a personnel decision. And this is on the firing of Connie. The Robeson County Sheriff's Office said the move was unrelated to Sarah Graham's disappearance. However, sources close to the investigation told WRAL News that the FBI, which joined the investigation early this month, considers Connie Graham a suspect in the case, adding that an arrest may be made and charges filed soon. Whoa. So they go from declining to say anything in detail and then the other ones are like nah dude i'll spill the tea all the way um okay. yeah it's pretty interesting to me that a news article is going to cite an unnamed source close to the investigation on something that is so slanderous like i don't know you know there was an internal affairs investigation going on after that it's it's wild. It's wild to me that WRAL didn't have charges put up against them for that. I, guess I mean, I guess you can't. And if what is if the they journalistic can't prove that it's wrong? <laughs> if they can't prove True, that it's I, wrong. I guess. I don't know. That's why I say it's quoted directly from the article. The article is linked in our show notes. I did not speculation, say Speculation, not that I argue with it, but it's not mine. Yeah, it's not mine. I didn't say it. Not going to say it. Um, So uh, do what you will with that bit of information. What I can tell you, though, is that no such charges have been filed to this day. (laughs) Not surprised. There was a body found in 2018 that officials thought were that of, like, the remains were that of Sarah. Mostly because Sarah had braces from what I could gather from the articles that I could find, mostly it was because Sarah had braces and the remains also had braces. Here's what I don't understand or I can't find um, or I can't figure out, whatever. Um, There's several articles on the remains from 2018, like several articles saying remains were found, blah, 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 blah. Um, investigators have dental records. They're going to compare to these remains over and over and over again. You see these articles. That's it though. That that's it. I can't find anywhere else after that. There's no other release saying it was. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. It's not hers. It is hers. And I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not like the scientist people who like compare data or dental records or whatever, but I feel like, um, 
and it's just me, I don't know. Uh, I feel like it doesn't take five years to do that. Uh, no, I mean, I covered a case not too long ago where they discovered human remains on that site and they had forensic scientists come in to do the testing. They determined they were human and they had an identity on the person within maybe a few months, max. I don't think it was even that long. And mm-hmm. that was not super recent also, that case was. So, yeah, I, I can't see it taking years. It's it, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Well, I mean, if we can let, you know, rape kids sit in storage for years. But th- that's beside the point. I don't think that's what's going on here. I'm not going to speculate on what's going on here. But the point being is that five years ago, they found remains. And they made a point in the media to say, they're comparing dental records to Sarah and then nothing about it afterwards. Not only was there nothing about it. There is an entire article from 2022 from ABC 15 news where they interviewed Hubert, Sarah's dad. And he says that the FBI called him, told him about the remains, but never gave any kind of update to him after that. What was it? Like, were these remains of a dog that had braces and they're just so freaking embarrassed that they misidentified it that badly that they don't want to talk about it? Like, it makes no sense. It's not hard to confirm one way or another. But I feel like if it was, they would have been fine with confirming it, to be perfectly honest. Unless I think there was some not. I think I know what's going on here. We'll get to it at the end. But I think I know what's going on here, and I think they're doing it wrong. That's beside the point. Um, but yeah, I it's just, it's mind boggling to me. You would you would want to come out and say, we'll get to it. Um, the article that I found from the 2022 interview of Hubert, basically getting into that article a little bit, basically Hubert, who no longer works for the Robinson Sheriff's office. He's now the chief of the Roland police department is frustrated with the way he's being treated in the investigation. He says that the investigators aren't treating him as a parent of a missing person and him and his wife are being treated as suspects, which I mean, he should know Right. Right. He should know. You're going to suspect the ones closest to the person first every time. Yeah. He should know that this is how it goes. But still, if this is true, if what Hubert is telling ABC is true, I feel like investigators do have a responsibility and a commitment to communicate to the family, regardless of if they're a suspect or not. Yeah. Because you you don't know. You just don't know what it is until you have that actual evidence. Um, so that's my thought on that. And I say if this is true, if like what Hubert said is true, because the FBI Charlotte Division Public Affairs Specialist Shelley Lynch responded to Graham's concerns about not being routinely contacted regarding Sarah's case. Lynch released the following statement, quote, We have spoken to Sarah's family anytime we had investigative updates and will continue to do so. 
It is a standard practice for the FBI to issue a news release, a poster, a tweet, or other publicity to mark the anniversary of a person's disappearance in an unsolved case. Since it is not new information, we would not necessarily make personal notifications. Now, in all fairness, if that what they're saying is true, I get it. Because I have clients that call me every single day. And they're like, you said you would call me if you had an update. And I said, exactly. I haven't called you because I don't have an update. And you calling me every day is not going to make that update happen any faster. I will call you when I have something to tell you. But I'm not going to call you to say, hey, nothing yet. Thanks. Bye. And then hang up. So devil's advocate, if there's not any new information, then I can understand that. Yeah, but you're also talking about, like, a missing person. And from all accounts from that article, I Hubert believes that Sarah is still alive out there. It's not like he's, he's, he's quoted as saying, my hope is that she's alive or we just find her. So he, he truly believes she's alive out there somewhere, which is hard to do after eight years. Truly. Um... So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if the FBI is, you know, telling the truth, if Hubert's telling the truth, if they're both lying to some extent. There's three somehow. stories. There's always three sides to every story, his, hers, and the truth. So there's probably some not so accurate information being relayed on both sides. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know though. Um, it might even be as accurate as in their minds. It, it in their minds it is accurate, but the actual truth of the matter might not be. So, it yeah, you just kind of have to take it all with a grain of salt. Unfortunately, as um, they say, yeah, it is very odd. I do find it really, really odd that she had so many family members in the police department. That just really throws me. But okay, it is. It it's it's kind of bizarre. And then for her stepmother to be fired two months after, right after the FBI joins the case. Very odd. It's, it's odd. Now there was a snippet at the end of a WMBF news article on the case. I looked at so many news articles. Listen, you're welcome. Um, About the remains being tested that just said, quote, there is no time frame for when a positive identification will be made. What? How is that possible? <sighs> I didn't I didn't know. Um, and if I mean if anybody out there listening knows this, that uh, you can just say I'll We're get just not to gonna it do when that. I get to it. <laughs> when it comes I mean, to what it sounds like uh okay Sh- sure there's a missing person on the line you can clarify if this the, these you remains have remains but let's clarify all right you have remains of a human being that's what we're assuming we're so if we have remains of a human being if it's not her then we need to find out who it is because it might be a different person who's missing or dead. So, and they have family that's looking for them. So either way, 
I don't get it. But Samantha, we'll that doesn't make sense. I'm just, I'm not filling up for it today. We might try again next year. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So just like if you're, if you know any of this stuff, um, email me. Let me know if this is normal. Uh, because I just, in my notes, I just keep saying, is this normal? Question mark. Like every paragraph. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I, now. Okay. I'm no expert. Is a, but I'm like no at, at anything at this point. Um, I feel that. I feel like I could, I could, I could make an entire book out of the things that I'm not an expert in. Also, uh, in all fairness, my brain ain't top notch tonight. We've already discussed that prior to starting the podcast. So, but Samantha, on my lower functioning brain, I'm still saying this doesn't make sense. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it's because I can't figure it out. I don't know. I cried while eating a cheeseburger this week. You're fine. <laughs> It's okay. Uh, that's it? that wasn't like that's not a joke. I it happened. Um, it happens from time to time. I wasn't crying over the cheese. Like I was like physically cl- crying over the cheeseburger, but I wasn't crying because of the cheeseburger. I was, you know, you know, it wasn't the cheeseburger's fault. Yeah, I just, it just happened cl- to be present never- when you had an emotional breakdown. Yeah, I never want to blame. What I'm trying to get to is, I don't want ever want to blame a cheeseburger. Fair. That's it. Okay. If it's one now, from McDonald's, that's I would expect you to blame the cheeseburger, but neither here yeah. neither. No. Um, now, there is a bit of an update on this. Um, on June 13th of this year, for anyone listening in the future, uh, this year is 2023, deputies and FBI special agents conducted a, quote, state court authorized search of Sarah Graham's home. Quote, while most of the people we have interviewed have been cooperative, we believe someone very close to her isn't telling us everything they know, said Robeson County Sheriff's Office in a statement. We have uncovered a lot of evidence, but still need that missing piece to bring Sarah home. Officials said they haven't been able to confirm the details about whether uh, Sarah actually left her house that morning to drive to work and that there could be details someone is withholding quote deputies and special agents have interviewed hundreds of people and followed countless leads but we will not stop one of my priorities when i was elected sheriff of robinson county was to find our missing people and to solve our cold cases said sheriff Bernice wilkins many of the people who are working on sarah's case have been working since day one to locate her we are as focused as ever to find sarah and to bring her justice i believe there are people in our community who have information that can help us please come forward unquote so that i'll get to like information on who to contact and stuff like that but first i want to know your thoughts that's it something's fishy about all of this like how many times have we heard of family members being a part of the law enforcement agency that's working on a case? You can kick them off the case and not allow them to be a part of that. 
you don't have to fire them. So I feel like the firing is a big red flag one way or another. Um, either a, someone's hiding something maybe in the law enforcement agency or B they feel like she's guilty of something and fired her to get her away from being able to find out the information. But even then that doesn't even make sense because I'm sure she has contacts in the local area. So it's not like, look, come from a small town. <laughs> there ain't well, no such husband, thing as So <laughs> they fired her, they fired her, but didn't fire her husband. Yes. I mean, it just, it's very odd all around. Um, and I feel like if she didn't do anything, if it had nothing to do with the case, I feel like most places of employment would give you quite a bit of leeway when your daughter, stepdaughter goes missing. If you're not performing to standards two months later, I feel like a lot of employment places would be very understanding of that and, and quite forgiving for it to happen two months after this happened, that either they're completely callous and just do not care about the person, the individual, or there's something there that they just yeah. don't want to admit to. I think, I think that, and I don't know how to like say this. Um, if those remains are Sarah. I don't know if they if they can suppress that information or not, and if they would have a reason to do that. Um, because so far, like from everything that I read on articles and things like that, anytime that they have, you know, released any kind of statements to the news, they're saying that they have a lot of evidence, but we're not hearing about any evidence. All we have is an abandoned I mean, van. That makes me wonder if it's person. like they're holding it close to the chest because there could be somebody inside that doesn't need to know any of it or somebody who could be in the media, whatever. And it must be something if, if, if they have it. I would think, I mean, there's a reason why they're holding it back. So I would think that it's because they're close to pressing charges i would hope i mean you've been holding on to it for eight years longer eight years like yeah. at some point it's is it more detrimental to hold that back than to let it out so that other people might have something and can come forward with more information i don't know I mean, I, I don't know. And, you know, it, they think maybe it's like a hostage situation. They don't want to, like, spook the person too much. I don't know what it could be. I, like I said, it was bizarre reading through this um, and just seeing, like, we, we research a lot of different cases. And I would say three out of five don't even make it to you know, planning phase for me. And that's because there's just not a lot of information. There is a lot of information out there for Sarah and her case. And that's because like the Lumbee community and tribes have not let this go away. But also it's this whole like hype and speculation of 
her dad and her stepmother being a part of that law enforcement agency as well. So it gets a lot more media attention, but it's all the same information and none of it is giving you any sort of like, I just want them to solve the case. But if it, if what you've done for eight years is not working, continuing to do what it is, I don't think it's going to continue to work. And maybe that's, that's what Serena Warren was. I believe that's the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Yeah. So that's Sarah Graham. Um, the FBI is offering a $5,000 reward for information that would lead to Sarah's location. Sarah would be 27 today. She is 5'4". She weighs... at at the time of her disappearance, she weighed around 160 pounds. She has dark brown curly hair and brown eyes. She wears glasses. And at the time of her disappearance, she wore braces. Anyone with any, any information regarding the disappearance of Sarah Nicole Graham is urged to contact the FBI at 704-672-6100 or the Robeson County Sheriff's Office at 910 Six seven one three one zero zero, or you can email them. I didn't put the email in here. If you're like an introvert and don't want to talk on the phone, or a millennial, you know, email them. But if you have any information, <laughs> contact them. <laughs> yeah. So that's Sarah. Well, Nicole that was um, even less satisfying than your other normally unsatisfying missing cases <laughs> and unsolved cases. I- I truly think that they have something. I think that they have something. They're really close to filing charges. And I think probably within a year, we're going to get something. Some kind of resolution. Sarah will come home. They'll file some charges on somebody or something. But I think we will have an answer soon. But my hope is that we will. Especially if we have more people who are hearing about it. Because this is local. Like, this is... As local as the kind of kids, except for um, uh, Jamie Fraley. Jamie Fraley was like yeah. literally a couple of streets from me. So uh, anyway, That's that was mine. Okay. Well, um, thanks for that. Uh, hope, I, I really hope this is one of those cases where we're going to have updates and we're going to be able to share them. Um, so fingers crossed. Me too. Because that would be. That would be the satisfying end that I'm constantly looking for in your unsolved. I know. <laughs> in the missing cases. That would be really nice to see one get a solution. Um, well, as soon as hopefully as a soon positive as, one, but um, any solution would well, be Well, nice. as soon as anything is released, um, I'll let you guys know because uh, I get the Google alerts. At this point, so. you have so many Google alerts, you might as well just look it up every time. True. True. <laughs> I don't know how to cut them off because there are some that I want to cut off because I've gotten answers and I don't want to talk about it. Um, mm. But it's nothing that I've covered like on the podcast, by the way, guys. Okay. If, if we have, yeah, if we have any case that we've covered that's been unsolved and I get an update, I'm going to let you guys know. But I do follow cases that I want answers to that I don't talk about on here. So fair enough. Anyway. Okay. 
Well, uh, good job. Um, hopefully you find answers. So let's move on to my case. Um, and so my missing case is going to be Jordan Wilson from Sipsy, Alabama. And this is a old ish case. It's hard to believe because it's from the two thousands, but, uh, Jordan Wilson was born November 18th, 1983. And that is all the information I could find about her as far as any kind of early life. There's oh, okay. not a lot of information out there for her. Um, Jordan yeah. was last seen at a party on May 15th near the Big Tussle area in Bremen, Alabama. One source reported the party was located at a residence on Campbell Loop Road off Campbellville Road in East Walker County. Reportedly, yeah. they're yeah, they're not too far away there. from where I used to live. <laughs> Reportedly, there were around 20 people at this party and, quote, a lot of drugs were being used, end quote. Okay. At the time of, yeah, just wait. At the time of her disappearance, she was 32 years old and a mother of two, D Dylan and Caleb, who were 11 and 6 at the time, respectively. Jordan was reported missing on May 18th, 2016 by her mother, Judy Thomas, after she received a phone call informing her that Jordan was dead and her body was located in a pond in or around the area she had last been seen. It was reported that although Jordan had left home before, she had never previously been gone for longer than a day or two. So this was unusual. Everyone who was at the party was located and interviewed even giving polygraphs to many of them who were deemed persons of interest. There was evidence obtained and sent to the FBI in Quantico for DNA analysis and forensics testing. What? According to Uncovered.com, Jordan's dark-colored Kia was located at least a mile from where she was last seen, although there are discrepancies in the media reports on exactly how far it was from where she was last seen. Reports also indicate that her cell phone, purse, and cigarettes were still in her vehicle, but her makeup bag, driver's license, and debit card were not found until a year later. And so an example of this was the Coleman Tribune uh, .com stated that the Kia was discovered abandoned approximately seven miles from where she was last seen. But the rest of the information all matched up. So there's discrepancies between articles about the distance, but the part of her cell phone, purse, and cigarettes being in the vehicle, but her makeup bag, driver's license, and debit card being missing are in all of them. When did they, are you going to cover it? When did they find the other items, the makeup wallet and all that other stuff? It was about a year later, but I didn't get any information about where they were or how they located them. What the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah, it's really not. And, and the Kia was located like days or weeks after she had been reported missing. So that wasn't even like right after either, I don't think. The ColemanTribune.com states that the Kia, or sorry, I already said that part. Da, 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 da. Her mother also reported that Jordan and her common-law husband had an argument before they went to the house party, and Jordan ended up staying the night at that house. At 2 a.m., Jordan's phone died. The following Wednesday, one of the people believed to have been at the house Jordan had stayed at called Jordan's sister saying, something bad happened to Jordan. Obviously, foul play is suspected, and homicide in this case is very probable. 
This is another case where they have a theory about what happened to Jordan and they even have a possible person or persons of interest, but they've not come forward with any information. So they're keep playing it close to the chest. That part always seems to be a struggle to me because I know that they have to hold things, you know, hold things apart, but it just kind of sucks to not have more information that could be used to identify what happened or who did it or even give other people pause to contribute about something that they might know. And it also always makes me think, damn, whoever did something, because more than likely somebody did, they're still out there doing who knows what, maybe even hurt somebody else. Maybe there's somebody missing that nobody's looking for, or maybe they killed somebody and we just don't even know. It could be our next door neighbor for all we know. Yeah. Like that, that always it, bothers it, me. Well, what's frustrating to me, and especially when it comes to like a missing persons case, until you find remains, you don't know that something has like that that person is dead. So they could be in a situation. I mean, how many stories, especially in the past 20 years, have we seen of escaped, you know, victims who have been abducted and kept in a shed or a basement mm-hmm. for even had their children. Decades. Their, yeah. their captors children so any information that you can release to bring that person home safely and i i know that like that's a touchy situation where it could be you know an abducted person could quickly go to like a you know murder victim but until you know that that person i don't i don't know where you draw the line obviously i'm not a police officer i'm not a detective none of that stuff but there's got to be some kind of like good medium here because if yeah. you really want the public's help with this, you're going to have to give them s- some information, I- anything. I feel like you can give information without giving specific details. I don't yeah. I don't feel like you have to withhold everything. And maybe, I mean, I, I we've already discussed we're not any expert on this, but it just seems like you should be able to give kind of general information. And if that doesn't work, maybe give just a little bit more detail, not everything, hold certain things back. Um, but something, anything well, you know, to uh, help move it along, especially us, when it's cold for so long. Let us know why it took you a year to find those other possessions of hers. Some and where they other were located. property. Where were, where was it at? Let let us know that. Was this, you're not telling us because you fucked up and you didn't search the area properly? Or was this somebody dumped it a year later? Like, because to me, this seems a little bit like the first one and less like the second one. I'm not saying, I don't know. But, uh, probably. you know. I'll get, uh, I'll, I'll get to, hard. I think you're going to feel that a little bit more in a minute when I go into more, a little more information. There's not a lot about her, unfortunately, but this is a case that I was distanced from. And then when I started researching it, I stumbled across personal information and it made it a lot harder. So, um, yeah, well, it's also, it's hard to give information. This is my last thing on, I swear to God, it's hard to give information on stuff, especially when you, may have dropped the ball and don't have that information to give to begin with. So, you know, nothing sucks worse than having to say I fucked up and I hate saying yeah. that, but I will also say that because I deal with people's money and people get real testy when you mess up their money. Um, 
I was in retail banking for years and years and years. I was in private banking um, in the securities industry. It doesn't matter what side of the table you're on when you're in the financial industry. If you fuck up with people's money, they get pissed. And the first thing you should do is say, I fucked up and I'm really sorry, but here's how I'm fixing it. That's it. That's all they want to hear most of the time. The people that got in trouble were the ones that tried to hide it. Oh, this happened. Oh, this happened. Oh, there was something wrong with the ACH, blah, blah, blah. No, just own up to it. Say, I I dropped the ball, but here's how I'm fixing it and it won't happen again. That's it. And actually do better. Uh, That's also key. Yeah, for sure. Never gonna fucking do that again. Work at the bank. shit sucked (laughs) i won't ever work at the bank either i told paul i said i will never work in retail banking i could be a branch manager i could be a district manager probably at this point hell no no thank you i've had my film i'm good more power to you if you are working in that industry i can only tell you how much empathy i have for you because i've been there however it is not in my wheelhouse anymore i will not go back (laughs) Oh, no. Absolutely not. I don't know how. I will go like, back and serve. I mean, honestly, like, I'll work in a restaurant and serve before I go back to retail banking. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I do performance art before that. I can cry over a cheeseburger <laughs> and call that art uh, before I go back That's to <laughs> retail banking. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Off of that side note, uh, we've been really serious, guys, for like 40 minutes. It's rough. Three years after Jordan's disappearance, in an article from Coleman uh, Tribune from 2019, her mother says, quote, I sat in my chair for the first three months in a state of shock. Tremors would just go through me. The phone would ring, tremors. A car would hit the driveway, tremors. Until July of last year, I thought she was coming home. But she's not coming home. She said, Thomas, she said, she said, prayer is what brought her to accept the truth that her daughter is not coming home. I gave it to God. I just had to, she said. On June 17th, 2022, WCSO searched an area just off uh, Mandy Williams Road in the Bremen Bremen community for Jordan. But unfortunately, nothing was found. And when I stumbled upon that article, I was like, oh, maybe there's an update. Oh, no, they searched it and didn't find anything. So that is the most recent Um, update. You you probably don't know this because they haven't released it. Um, somebody called and said that she was murdered and she is in a lake or a pond or something like that. Um, any search of a pond? Any nothing? It never said. No? They never said anything about that. There was no details. It matter, I could uh, probably find it if I purchased a subscription or something into an area that I've never dug. But the Coleman Tribune had most all of the information, which is interesting considering this was in Walker County and Coleman is in Coleman County. Um, but I think they're from yeah. Coleman. So they're covering Coleman was covering it. But almost all the articles were like Coleman Tribune. Um, there were a few oh, yeah, news they- articles, but like they were on top of it. I found some news articles from, uh, like, the Myrtle Beach, like, news things on Sarah's case. And I'm like, Myrtle Beach is nowhere close to this. But, yeah, it's okay. so odd. Um, I wonder if yeah, it's just, like, it's, one of their reporters latches onto it and wants to make sure and bring it up anytime they have a chance. I don't know. Well, I was going to say, even if they did find, like, remains of her in, like, a pond, uh, these um, yahoos. In the police department sound like the ones 
from uh, the Debbie Wolf case, and they would probably just say that she did it herself and stuffed herself into a barrel. Oh, wait, there's no barrel. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, you have more? All right. Oh, wait. At this time, Jordan <laughs> would be 39. At, at, um, like, as of this year, Jordan would be 39 years old. She's described as approximately five foot eight inches tall, Caucasian woman with blue eyes. And when she was last seen, she had strawberry blonde hair and weighed approximately 150 to 160 pounds and was wearing a pink hooded shirt and blue jeans. She had a history of substance abuse as well. Sad note. Okay. The Charlie Project actually does have her on it. Um, I found her on the Charlie Project. And they had a link to her Facebook page. So I went on it. And that's one of the things with these new cases that I almost prefer the older cases because you don't have this kind of stuff. But I wanted to share it just because it it's what like made my heart ache for her and her mom. Um, she had just purchased that Kia 10 days earlier. She had made a post saying, I just bought a car, a 2011 Kia Sorento. I love it. I'm so excited. So it gets further. She obviously had a good relationship with her mom as she tagged her in a lot of posts and her profile picture was one of one of her sons named Caleb. On May 4th, she posted, had an awesome day at work. I love this new job. It might be picking taters, but I love it and the chicks I work with. May 3rd, she posted a meme that said, when no one thought that you'd ever be able to get clean, but then you did. It seems fairly obvious that she'd been turning her life around and was doing her best to say goodbye to all of her vices, making this event even more sad. Yeah. And from what I can tell, she was I mean, actually, it seems like she was at like a, um, I don't know if she was at rehab, but there were posts where it was like some of her friends were from a work release program and she was going yeah. to like meetings and church with them. And it was like, she was really just trying to pick her life back up and make something of it and was making strides. So it just really sucks to see that and then know what happened. Just days after. Well, it. My. The Yahoo's. Uh, just. They. We know what this is. We know what this is. They saw There's a reason why it was specifically of, said that they did drugs at that party. Yeah. And when you brought that up, I was like, okay. I, I just wanted to be like, I, I don't know that there's been a lot of parties outside of like, you know, now we have old people parties where all we do is have a couple of beers and then we're all ready to go to bed. But the point being is like up until a few years ago, any party I went to, um, there were going to be drugs. Like it's not uncommon, you know, people do drugs. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, that's, it's and just, just not unusual. Other people are, just, doesn't mean you will. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like, I, I've partaken in the devil's lettuce. I'm not going to lie. Devil's um, lettuce. It's not, it's not my go-to. Like, I'm not, if I'm at a party and it's there, I'm probably not going to, you know, smoke any or anything like that. Especially now, because I'm just going to end up at Taco Bell at 2 o'clock in the morning and eat everything on the menu. So, it's just not worth it. Um, <laughs> the, the whole point is, like, they've, cre- they've created an excuse to minimize 
somebody's life so that they don't feel guilty for the lack of effort they put into solving this case. That's all this is. They spun the story out for her to be some kind of addict. And I want to go ahead and say nobody's life is less or lesser because of anything in their life, whether anything that is demonized in the media, whether it's they're an addict, they're a sex worker, they're a part of a community that is demonized. It does not make their life worth less than anybody else's. But the responsibility of the people who are there to, quote, protect and serve have joined this job to ensure that they can help solve cases and they put people's lives and things like that above anything else. And you don't get to pick and choose who you get to Which help lives. in that line. Yeah. So that's why I a get human so life is a human life. If you want to know what it takes for evil to triumph, it's not for good men to do nothing. It, all it takes for evil men to triumph is for them to convince you that that thing over there that's also a human being isn't the same type of human being as you because of this, regardless of the yes. reason. That's all it takes. If you can look at another human being and see them as other or less than, you're already letting ev evil win by doing that. They're a human freaking being and deserve to live. That's it. Blanket statement. You're a demon. That's all I'm saying. If um, they're a serial killer, I'm just saying we don't need to kill them. Leave them in jail for the rest of their lives. Put them on making license plates. Make them be a productive member of society. I don't know what you want to do. I still don't think it's worth killing them. So blanket statement. It's a human being. Treat them as such. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And That's easy. Law enforcement has a duty to hold anybody's life at the same level that you would regardless of who they are as a person. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating. And especially when it comes so to much. like the life of women, you know, how many cases have we covered where they have not only like either blatantly disregarded evidence, ignored, you know, drop the ball, procrastinate, you know, not done their due diligence simply because they don't hold the lives of those people in as high of a regard as they would say had that person looked more like a white man, white straight man. So, you know, you look at cases when it comes to women and they're not as solved as frequently as it if you were to do it with men, it's because they're not putting in the effort. And that's frustrating to me. Because if I were murdered, Samantha's going to solve it. Like, let's be fair. It's not going to be the police. Yeah, because I'm going to know all the websites to go to <laughs> with all the web sleuths. So I'm going to be like, here's the deal. This is this is everything. I need you to help me out. And we're together. We're just going to figure it out. That's It's that easy. Yeah. So. Just, if, just, I just wish they would do their, their jobs. Just do... Yeah. Your jobs. And if you're not going to do your jobs, um, get a different job. Um, or let's, if, let's, you know, maybe this isn't this your career path. Maybe you're on the wrong career path. Let's go ahead and make that adjustment now. Bingo. Just saying. If you uh, anyone with access to it, I'll solve it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I have no doubts. 
Anyone with any information on any missing missing person in Coleman County or the surrounding area, which includes this, is asked to contact the Coleman County Sheriff's Office at 256-734-0210 or 256-734-0342 or the 24-hour tip line at 910-232-1687. And you can find out more on a website, which will be linked in the show notes. Little side note. Uh, on a Facebook post that was actually made by Walker County Sheriff's Office in 2021, there was a comment about a possible linked case made by Yerkwood VFD. And they said, you should cover the case of Janelle Ma- Massey, I think it's how it's pronounced, from Farley. Or in Farley, maybe that's the last name. Possibly the same person suspected in Jordan's case is connected to hers. She was also last seen in Sipsy, but the report was taken at Jasper PD by a family friend who is now deceased, and they won't do anything including get back with her daughter, Keely Cheyenne Adams, about the case. And I did find more information about that case, because obviously that's what we do here. We go down rabbit holes on Uncovered.com. At the time of her disappearance, Janelle was residing in residential home in a residential home for women. Janelle is married, but had recently separated from her husband prior to relocating to the home for women. She was last seen on September 2nd, 2016 at a convenience store in Jasper, Alabama. It's unknown if she left with another person and there's no vehicle or method of transportation known. A police report was filed on January 3rd, 2017. So months later, after four months of no contact from Janelle. She has not been seen or heard from since that September 2nd, 2016 date. And then according to a podcast that actually covered her case, they made a post on August 7th, 2020, and this was Secrets True Crime Podcast. And it says, today is Janelle Farley Macy's birthday. She is another Walker County missing person who has essentially been ignored by law enforcement. She left a rehab center on September 2nd, 2016. Her daughter told me she was last reported to be seen October 2016, but I didn't see any reports about that. Sheriff Smith told us that she was last seen in Sipsy Empire area. I've been chatting with Janelle's daughter about her mom. She told me her mom was unique and loving and had a crazy personality. She said her mom had no enemies. She was giving and the kind of person that would give you the shirt off her back. She was a good person, but she really struggled with addiction. At the time of her disappearance, Janelle was eagerly awaiting the birth of her first granddaughter who was born shortly after. She now has many grandchildren, most of which she's never had the opportunity to meet. Janelle's loved ones haven't given up on finding her. She was a white female with red hair and hazel eyes, five foot, four inches tall. And at the time of her disappearance, she was 40 years old and weighed 115 pounds. If you have any information about the disappearance of Janelle, please contact the Jasper Police Department at 205-221-2121. Or you can call the confidential tip line, which is 205-282-0740. I have a couple of interesting, like, just thought processes, thought processes, like, as you were talking about that. The first one was, what, you, you said to contact the Coleman County Sheriff's Department, um, if they had any information on the first case, but. That's because that's what was listed on the article. Yeah, but she didn't go missing. And so I guess my question is, is Coleman County the one investigating this or? No, because Walker County made the Facebook post that said that they were still investigating it. 
So why would they say to contact Coleman? I have no idea. And the other thing is for Janelle, she went missing in Jasper. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know a, it's probably officers dropping the ball when it comes to like substance abuse cases that are involved. I think the last confirmed okay, the last confirmed sighting of her, because I'm guessing it was a security camera, was in Jasper. But she was seen in the Empire Sipsi area in October. Okay. But I don't think they have any like evidence that she was actually there. That's just somebody reported that they saw her there. I was just like, Jasper is not that close to Walker County or to Warrior. Like it not is a warrior, it, but te- technically Empire and Sipsi aren't either. They're the like three exits down on the interstate. If you go with that by it that way, Walker County is interesting. Um, <laughs> but the Jasper is probably I'm, about as far away from Sipsi as Warrior is from Sipsi. It's just it's a weird thing that Coleman would be the con- point of contact on a case that was being covered. By not even, like, a different, like, city police, a different town's police, by a different county's police. Like, a completely yeah, different county. I agree. County. Like, that's odd. And then it's this weird, like, triangle, too. You've got, like, Coleman. You've got, well, it's kind of like a, whatever. Coleman, Walker, and then uh, Jasper. Warrior. Jasper, Ipsy, Warrior, whatever. And Jasper. So it's, like, this weird triangle. But it makes sense because... Jasper and Warrior, I know, I'm not sure about Coleman, um, have had a history of quite prevalent, like, substance abuse And Sipsi and Empire, Bremen, all of those places mentioned, they do too. Yeah, it's this, and it's like a, it's rural areas. Like, they don't Mm -hmm. have a, they don't have, like, a high population. It's like... Well, Bradford's in Warrior, and Bradford is a drug rehab facility. Um, So, I mean, it makes sense, especially if either of these women had to go to a rehab facility. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they went. So, because it would be obviously the closest. Oh. Oh, my. I was just thinking. Uh. I wonder if you knew who it was. <laughs> That's not Let's not go oh. there. <laughs> oh my god! Go uh, Twenty six. Didn't we? Didn't we have a friend who used to work at Bradford? Yes. At one point. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought so. There. That's why. Yeah. That's why it sounded. I was mm-hmm. like, I know Bradford, but you haven't mentioned it. That's how we know it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a weird thing that. I'm still stuck on the whole like Coleman County wanting the information when, you know, warriors. I the feel line. like they're step. They're like they're dropping the ball, so we're gonna step in, and that's why I say I feel like it might be like a reporter jumped on this case, or maybe has knew her and wants to make sure it stays out there because the majority of the articles were written by the Coleman Coleman Tribune, which is very odd considering the location of where she lived and where she ended up being missing from. Um, So it it just seems more and more like they were stepping up because they felt like there was not enough information or investigation being done, I guess. 
Probably not. I will say um, Coleman has a higher population dense whatever than probably Jasper and Warrior put together. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I, I mean, they're right that. off the interstate. So that automatically leads to to population growth and city growth. Yeah. And so like it, it would, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, took the initiative or whatever. But um, I will say that the best decision I ever made was to follow the warrior community page on Facebook. Those people be wild. <laughs> I know what you're talking never, about. If we I ever never cover lived a cult. in warrior. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, they have the the that's the one I followed. The, the warrior new, cult the page. Cult. <laughs> uh, uh, I moved. I moved out of there just in time. <laughs> I don't understand. But I love it. Never lived there. I've only visited you there. I have no like relationship with Warrior. There's no reason I should have joined it. But the second I saw it, I was like, "Count me in, bitches. There, Let's go." There be some cra- there be some crazy stuff going on over there. Yeah, they have some wild shit going on in Warrior. So that makes no sense. Well, we will. First off, good job. Way to go. I like that you found. I don't like that you did, uh, but it's interesting that you found another case that might be linked. I wonder if. You know, it was like a domestic if you because the second one, Janelle, it sounded like she might have been trying to get out of a domestic mm-hmm. violence situation. She went Yeah, because she was married and then they were separated. Some people said she had been separated for a while and went to the women's center and kind of hinted that she was doing it to get away from the husband. So, yeah, that person. So I wonder if that husband was you know spec this just me speculating if that husband maybe he had been at that party something happened i'm just saying we should drain every pond just to be in on the, the safe area side. just in the yeah that's all i'm saying um i don't know why we haven't uh but anyways good job we will be sure to put the contact information for all three of these in our show notes so if you know anything, you think you know anything, give those a, a click or whatever, a call. Um, anyways. Absolutely. Great job. Um, we did it. Good job, you. Good job, me. Uh, these are two, technically three, cases that are not, they're not getting much play. So, yeah. Hopefully this will yeah. get them a little bit more people knowing about it and if somebody hears or knows something they can say something about it yeah i hope so and sarah's case is probably the first one that i've covered that i actually feel we're gonna get a resolution to um and i hate to say that but a lot of the ones yeah a lot of the ones that i covered it's either like jamie fraley is kind of like a special situation where I truly hope that we get answers in that, but I think we have, you know, we kind of know what maybe have happened. You just can't prove it. You know, it's just a weird situation, but things like I've covered Debbie Wolf. We all know that she didn't drown herself herself and stick herself in a barrel. That then came out. uh, Yeah. I ransacked her house. Uh, And then there was just obviously no barrel. So, I've covered a lot of things like that, so but I feel like Sarah. I've had a couple of other ones that I really truly hope we get resolutions to. But knowing, you know, whether it's 
because of racial discrimination, substance abuse, you know, things like that, that police departments are not going to put as much effort into it. Hopefully they're making changes. I'm going to put, I'm going to hope for it, but the only way we can actually enact change is to talk about what needs to change. So yeah, that's true. Here we are. That's what we're here for. (laughs) That's what we're here for. I had that stupid, like pessimistic thought in my head when you said that, I was like, well, you can hope in one hand and shit in the other. And I was like, who said that? Uh, Somebody, somebody in my life at some point said that. So anyways, um, Samantha, where can they find us on the social media? <laughs> on that note, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Reaper Tales Podcast. Uh, how about email? You can email me at ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com. Um, email me anything that you want, as long as it's not mean. Um, that's all. I haven't had a great week, yeah. so just don't be mean to me. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Some good vibes, please. We greatly appreciate it. It's hard doing our full-time jobs and then also doing this, and this is some dark stuff sometimes. So give us a little boost on that mood. Um, also, you can late, uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, all of the things that most of you know how to do. If you don't, hey, newsflash, it helps out podcasts that you like to listen to. So if you like us, yeah. share us, uh, rate us, subscribe, whatever, all the things. If you want to do a worded review, you get bonus points. I don't know how you'll ever cash them in, but you'll get them. So there you go. Yeah, uh, I'll send you a selfie of me with thumbs up. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Never mind. I'll send you a selfie of me crying while eating a taco next time. How about that? Exactly. Uh, anyways, until next time, love you, mean it, bye. The reaper will come for us all.